We'll resume our study of John's Gospel next Sunday morning, God willing. But this morning it was on my heart to speak to you about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Here's the main idea that we will be exploring this morning. To know Christ Jesus is worth more than anything else. Anything else. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. Let's begin our examination of that big idea this morning with the text that I just read to you, Philippians chapter 3 and the beginning of verse 8, not even the whole verse. Again, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There are many different kinds of mathematics. There's algebra, and there's trigonometry, and there's calculus. But in Philippians 3, we see the most important kind of math, what we might call ultimate math. Paul is calculating what is of ultimate value. Paul is measuring. Paul is weighing. Paul is counting as he does ultimate math in order to see what is ultimately valuable. Paul's theme in Philippians 3, the context of his statement, I count everything, but what's he referring to? What is the everything that he's referring to? The immediate context of Paul's statement is he's comparing the relative value of his own righteousness to the righteousness of Christ. This is what he is adding up, measuring, weighing, comparing. He says that he has been circumcised on the eighth day. He says that he is of the people of Israel. He is of the tribe of Benjamin. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. In other words, he's very zealous so that he's going to go persecute the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. In other words, nobody can point a finger at Paul and say, look at how much worse he is than everyone else. In fact, quite the opposite. People would be like, well, I'm not going to be one to speak up against Paul. As to righteousness under the law, at least outwardly, there is an impeccable character to his life. He adds up those things. He marshals them together. He weighs them. He counts it up. He calculates their value. And then he looks at Christ Jesus and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he compares the two and he says I count all of these other things that's what he means when he says I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus this is how he concludes his calculations to know the righteousness of Christ to hear about it 
and then to trust in it. So he moves from knowing Christ and gaining Christ in verse 8 to the concept of faith in Christ in verse 9. And these are just three different ways of looking at the same thing. Knowing Christ, gaining Christ, having faith in Christ. These are really speaking to the same reality. He says that that, knowing Christ, gaining Christ, having faith in Christ, is of more value than all his righteousness. That's the everything that Paul counts as loss. And knowing Christ, gaining Christ, having faith in Christ is of such comparative value that his own righteousness, he counts as rubbish, the ESV says, or dung, the King James Version says. Someone at Dallas Seminary did some more scholarly work and, and found that we should probably use a much stronger word than that. Uh, something that we might even consider bad language in modern day English. Paul uses a very strong phrase that would have been shocking to the original readers. You really, you count it all as that? Paul, setting the two before his eyes, his own righteousness, and then Christ Jesus and the righteousness that we may have from Him through faith. To know Christ savingly, not just to theoretically understand something of who Jesus is, but, but to come into relationship with Him, to actually appropriate His righteousness as our own, to enter into a relationship with Him whereby we get Him, we gain Him, He becomes ours. He becomes, in the first person, my, Look at what Paul says. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul finds that there is really no meaningful comparison. The one is just dumb. The one is just rubbish. The other is of surpassing worth. This is what Paul is saying here in this passage. This is the immediate context of his declaration that, the, that to know Christ Jesus is of surpassing worth. And it certainly is true that the righteousness of Jesus, which may be ours by faith, and Christ Jesus himself then becoming ours by faith. It's not like we just keep get His righteousness, but keep Him at arm's length. No. In receiving Christ's righteousness, we receive Christ Himself to be ours, to be mine, as Paul says. And certainly it is true that to gain Christ, to appropriate not only His righteousness, but He Himself in the totality of who He is, not just as Savior, but as Paul says here, as Lord, to Make mine this one who was in the beginning with God and was God, who for our sake humbled himself and took the form of a servant, as Paul has just rehearsed in Philippians 2, to get him as ours who loved us and purchased us with his blood, to get him as ours who came to dwell among us, 
to be made like us in every respect and yet without sin, to live sinlessly, to deny himself all of the fleeting pleasures of sin for us and for our salvation, to keep the law throughout the entire course of his life, to gain him, to get him, certainly is of far more value than our own righteousness, which is, as the prophet Isaiah said, just filthy rags in terms of its value to God if we were to present it before Him with some hope of receiving a reward, receiving life, receiving righteousness, receiving pardon, receiving justification. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But to gain Christ, to have His sinless life counted to us as if it was ours, to have his propitiatory death on the cross, that means his sin-bearing, punishment-bearing, penalty-bearing death on the cross counted as if it was ours. So the Lord looks at us and he sees righteousness and he sees, I've already poured out my wrath for that person's sin. And all of this because of Christ, indeed that is of far more worth than our own righteousness, which is as filthy rags. This is the immediate context of Paul's statement that knowing Christ Jesus is of surpassing worth. That's what's happening in Philippians 3. But this is not the only context in which it is true that knowing Christ Jesus is worth more than anything else. To know, that is, to gain Christ Jesus is worth more than anything else. Anything else. Period. It's a universally true statement that to know Christ, to gain Christ, to put faith in Christ, to appropriate Him, to get Him, to make Him ours, to be in relationship with Him, this is of more worth than anything else. Anything else. It's of surpassing worth. That is a universally true statement. Let me explore with you this morning three case studies to show that this is, in fact, true. Let's apply it in three other spheres. To know... That is, to gain Christ Jesus is worth more than family. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Jesus says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. To have a good relationship with Christ Jesus, but a bad relationship with mother or father or sister or brother or daughter or son. To have a good relationship with Christ, but a bad relationship with family members is better than to have a good relationship 
to family members, but a bad relationship to Christ. To have Christ but no children is better than to have children but no Christ. Jesus sets before us his superior worth and says that we need to choose him over family. That we can't view them as mere equals and we certainly can't view family as higher than Christ. But Jesus is saying, your first allegiance needs to be with me. Next, to gain Christ, to know Christ, is of more worth, more value than health. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 say, Train yourself for godliness, for well bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. To have a sickly, weak body, but a strong, healthy, flourishing soul which comes from knowing Christ is better than to have a healthy body, but a sickly and weak soul. Many times, People prioritize a diet or uh, exercise, fresh air, whatever it is that they think they need. They become really concerned with these things, getting these things, pursuing these things. When Jesus, pardon me, when, when the Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that health is not the ultimate thing and that we should have a higher priority than health, namely training ourselves for godliness, which comes from, again, knowing Christ, gaining Christ, exercising faith in Christ. The scripture teaches us that to have a sick and weakly body but a healthy soul is better than to have a healthy body, but a sickly and weak soul. To gain Christ is of more value than health. Next, our third case study, to know Christ, to gain Christ is more valuable than career or wealth, which often go hand in hand. Somebody might like to work and be a workaholic and obsessed with work and prioritize work above God for reasons other than money, so they're distinguishable, but I'm gonna group them together for the purposes this morning. In Mark 8:36, Jesus asks the rhetorical question: What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The scripture teaches us that to have a better career or more wealth is less valuable than to have a better state of soul. 
which comes from gaining Christ, knowing Christ. These are but three examples among many of the universal principle given to us in Scripture, that to possess Christ, to know Him, to gain Him in the language of Philippians 3 is worth more than anything else and that we should prioritize it more highly than anything else. See, it's not just with respect to our justifying righteousness that we ought to prioritize Christ above our own righteousness, but it is in every sphere, every sphere rather, that we need to prioritize Christ Jesus over whatever else may be competing with him in that sphere. You see, there is this thing that Paul talks about in Philippians 3 called the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And that is a thing. And it is universally superior to anything else, to everything else. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is worth that surpasses anything, everything. In view of these things, what are you living for? What are your goals? What are your priorities? How are your math skills? And I don't mean algebra or trigonometry or calculus. I'm talking about ultimate math. Let me press this home to you. Your ultimate priority, your ultimate priority, you as an individual, not just, not just y'all, not just everyone here, everyone listening, you as an individual, listen to me. Your ultimate priority should be to know Christ Jesus, to gain Christ. Your ultimate priority should be faith in Christ Jesus and working that out with integrity and with consistency into every aspect of your life. If you're an unbeliever, this would mean coming to faith in Christ in the first place. Putting faith in Christ Jesus and thereby getting Him, gaining Him, coming to know Him, not just know about Him, but know Him savingly, to come into relationship with Him so that His Spirit comes to dwell in your heart, so that His Father becomes your Father, so that He becomes your brother, that you become a son or a daughter brought to glory so that you enter the family of God, that you are born again to a living hope, to gain Christ, to know Christ by faith in Him is of more value than whatever it else it is that you are presently living for, presently pursuing. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in His righteousness. That He lived a perfect and sinless life for you. That His death on the cross bore the wrath that you deserved for your sin. Take His death and lay hold of it and plead it before God the Father. Don't pour your wrath on me. 
because it has been poured out on my substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. And take hold of the obedience of Christ Jesus and plead it before the Father. I have no obedience of my own to bring, but I bring the obedience of my surety, my representative, Christ Jesus. Take hold of Christ Jesus, gain him, get him by faith, by trust, by confidence in him. That needs to be the main takeaway from this message this morning if you are an unbeliever. If you are a believer already, you have yet to take hold of the fullness of Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.9 tells us that in Him is the fullness of God. And John Gill, as I've said before, calls this a dispensary communicative fullness. In plain modern English, what Gill is saying is that Colossians 2.9 is not, that specific verse is not intended to teach us that Jesus is fully God, though that obviously is true and that's taught other places in Scripture. The point of that verse isn't to teach us that Jesus is fully God. The point of that verse, when it says, in Him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The point of that verse is to teach us that the fullness of everything that God wants to give us, the fullness of everything that God wants to dispense to us, the fullness of everything that God wants to communicate to us is in Him. He is like the neck of an hourglass through which all of the sand must pass as it makes its way to the bottom. Everything that is coming from above to us down below must pass through the neck of the hourglass, which is Christ Jesus. And so Gil calls this fullness referred to in Colossians 2.9 a dispensary communicative fullness. It is Jesus who dispenses and communicates to you, Christian, everything that your benevolent Heavenly Father wants to give to you. So Christian, until you have received the fullness of all of the covenant blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus, until there is no more blessing left to pour out upon you, it will always be important and relevant to you to continue to make gaining Christ, laying stronger hold upon Him, wrapping your arms further around Him, more tightly around Him, clinging more closely to Him, walking more nearly with Him, until you have received the fullness that is in Christ Jesus. It will continue to be important and relevant to you to make it your great aim, the great aim of your life, to know Christ Jesus, to gain Him. Now, it should be noted that we do not always have to choose between knowing Christ, gaining Christ, and family. We don't always have to choose between knowing Christ, gaining Christ, and career or wealth. We don't always have to choose between knowing Christ, gaining Christ, and physical health or whatever else. Those are just the three examples I had given you earlier in my message. Sometimes these things are compatible. 
and we can pursue both at the same time. After all, he who said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, also said, honor your father and your mother. He who said, what does it profit to gain the world and yet forfeit your soul, also said, work heartily as unto the Lord. He who said that training for godliness is more important than bodily training, still said that bodily training is of some value. So sometimes we don't have to choose. Sometimes they're compatible. We can seek to know Christ and gain Christ even while we go to the gym and lift weights. Sometimes we can seek to know Christ and gain Christ even while we sit down for Christmas dinner with our family or go visit your father and mother and spend time with them or call them up and see how they're doing. But sometimes we do have to choose. When you have to disobey Christ in order to pursue something else, then you have to choose. Whether you're going to seek to know Christ and gain Christ or whether you're going to seek something else and gain something else. For example, when you have to choose between meeting together as Christians, assembling together, that we might encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching, that we might honor the Lord's day. When we have to choose between that and spending some extra time focusing on our school assignments or focusing on our work, our career, catching up on some other stuff that we have to get done to advance our vocation, our career path, to earn a little bit more money, when you're faced with the choice between neglecting meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so that we might advance our career or being obedient to Christ and gathering with the Lord's people, we have to choose. When we are faced with the heartbreaking struggle of infertility and we have options before us to consider one perhaps being a fertility treatment in which embryos are discarded or destroyed and yet it may possibly lead to us being able to have children We have to consider whether we will seek to gain Christ, to know Christ, to lay hold of Him, and yet perhaps never have a biological child. Or whether we will try to get a biological child at any cost, even if it means deprioritizing knowing Christ gaining Christ by sinning against Him. Other times we may have a 
choice before us, whether we will live out our faith with integrity and consistency in front of our family. Sometimes it's a nuclear family, sometimes it's an extended family. And we have this choice where we know if we live out our faith with integrity, with consistency, it's going to cause tension with family members. We have this choice, whether, whether this at least superficial peace, this truce with family is worth more, or whether gaining Christ, knowing Christ, walking more closely with Him, is worth more. In these kind of situations, we need to do the math. We need to do the ultimate math. And we need to realize that knowing Christ Jesus, gaining Christ Jesus is worth more than literally anything else. Don't sin against Christ Jesus because something else is more important to you than walking with Jesus. So sometimes we have to choose. We have to choose in situations where we would have to disobey Christ to pursue something else. Many other times, many other times, we will still have to choose, even when it's not outright disobeying Christ to pursue something else. As finite beings, we have limited time and energy. And in any given situation, we might do something that is not, strictly speaking, a sin. But the cumulative effect of choosing regularly and over and over as your standard procedure, things which are not, strictly speaking, sin, but don't result in you knowing Christ and gaining Christ. That kind of lifestyle results in a life poorly spent, poorly prioritized. As finite beings, we have to prioritize one thing over another at any given time and over the course of our lives because of limited time and energy. <clears throat> So fill in the blank. Whatever else I may be able to accomplish in my lifetime, or not, I definitely and certainly want, above all, to blank. What goes in the blank for you? Whatever else you accomplish or don't accomplish in your life, like you don't know how your life will turn out, you don't know what obstacles you'll face, what challenges, what difficulties, what opportunities, you don't know. But what is it that you are resolved, whatever else in my life, this is the one thing that I'm after. This is the one thing I really, really want to focus on. If I get to the end of my life and I've done this, my life will have been well spent. What is that thing? And your lifetime is a sum of years. And your years are a sum of months. And your months are a sum of weeks. 
and your weeks are a sum of days. So when you wake up each morning, if you have this overarching life goal, the way you're going to get to that is by putting together a whole bunch of days, which turn into weeks, which turn into months, which turn into years and decades, and then you've spent your life that way. When you wake up in the morning, fill in this blank. Whatever else I may or may not be able to accomplish today, whatever unforeseen things happen, whatever occurs, whatever happens to me, whatever choices I have to make, the one thing that I'm really focused on doing today, my overarching goal today is blank. What goes in the blank? You see, we can tell ourselves, well, this is not a sin. That's not a sin. And strictly speaking, we're right. It's, it's, it's not a sin to put in a long day at work. 12-hour day, 14-hour day. It's not a sin. Sometimes you have to do that in the course of life. It's not a sin to watch movies. It's not a sin to play games. It's not a sin to have hobbies. It's not a sin, obviously, to spend time together with your family. It's not a sin to be a good dad, a good mom. It's not a sin to enjoy life with your spouse. It's not a sin to cook good food. None of these things are sins. But you can see that if you spend your time watching movies and hanging out with your family, and working long hours, and taking up hobbies, and you crowd out knowing Christ, gaining Christ. Before long, you look back at the sum of days, and the sum of weeks, and the sum of months, and the sum of years, and you can look back and see it really has not been my ultimate aim. It really hasn't been my overarching aim. It really hasn't been my overarching aim to gain Christ. And when you see that, friend, brother, sister, when you see that, you will realize that you have spent your life poorly. Because you will have valued things in practice above Christ Jesus, which are in reality less valuable than He. Again, there is this thing called the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And if, if it is of surpassing worth to know Christ Jesus, if it truly is better, more valuable than anything else to know Christ, to gain Christ, to exercise faith in Christ with integrity and with consistency in all of the changing events and circumstances and with the ebb and flow of your life and the passage of time, if it truly is of more value than anything else to know Christ, then it makes sense to spend your days trying to know Christ above all and your weeks trying to know Christ, to gain Christ above all. 
When it's compatible, sure. Invest in your career. When it's compatible, invest time in your family. Christ wants you to work heartily as unto the Lord. Christ wants you, husbands, to love your wives and wives to respect your husbands. And he wants us to bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And all of these things. He even tells us bodily training is of some value, so buy that gym membership and go and make use of it. Sure. But above all, and through it all, and in it all, and alongside it all, remember that knowing Christ is of surpassing worth. Do good math. Do good ultimate math. Don't make trades your whole life exchanging that which is of more value for things which are of lesser value or you go broke. Choose more often than not to let lesser things go so that you can gain better things, more valuable things. That's how you build wealth in the natural realm, isn't it? You don't trade $10 bills for $5 bills. You exchange that which is of lesser value for greater value. That's how you build wealth. And so it is spiritually. Sometimes you have to choose Jesus over health in this moment. Jesus over family in this moment or in this circumstance. Jesus over career, Sunday by Sunday. Call it a day at five o'clock when you're supposed to quit so you can come home and do the things that Jesus wants you to do. So you can get the sleep that you need to, do, to get so you can get up in the morning and be with him, hearing his word, praying. Do what you gotta do, Christian, to know Christ, to gain Christ. Because there is this thing called the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And it doesn't just apply to my righteousness versus his. It applies universally across the board. Knowing Christ Jesus, gaining Christ Jesus is of great value, surpassing value, not only in the realm of justification, but in all of life. So at the outset of this new year, while many people are reflecting and setting goals, etc., I really want to urge you to prioritize knowing Christ, gaining Christ, walking with Christ this year. Whatever else you may or may not do, above all else, day by day, which will turn into week by week, which will turn into month by month, which will turn into 2021. Above all, seek to know Christ, seek to gain Christ. This is one other way of speaking of sanctification. Growing in Christ, becoming holier. This is a synergistic work whereby we do need to apply ourselves, we need to make real choices, we need to put in effort, but this is also a work where we are dependent upon God's grace to help us.